Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Fluid Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Ruggiero, CEO of Sports Innovation Lab. We're excited to bring you this podcast, especially in a brand new year, 2021. I'm sure everyone is looking forward to what's to come in this year. So welcome to the first episode of 2021. You know we're here talking tech, talking innovation, talking innovative leaders, as my company's mission is to help the industry, help our clients create breakthrough fan experiences through tech. To do that, you got to understand the fluid fan. So we talk everything fluid fandom and what it means for your business. If you want to learn more, as always, go to our website, sportsilab.com. So on that note, uh, I'm excited for today's guest, Travis McDonough, the CEO and founder of Kinduct Technologies. If you haven't known Kinduct, we've actually been working with them for a while. They're fascinating. Um, And Travis will talk about what they do, but at their core, Kinduct is an athlete and human performance company focused on data analysis and distribution. Travis himself has an extensive medical background and brought that background outside of sports to the sports industry to really understand health and human performance. I've known him for a few years. His his mission is always to create a healthier uh, and more informed lifestyle for athletes, for people really looking to to better themselves. So on this podcast today, you'll hear how Travis and Kinduct are working to take their technology for high-performance athletes and create solutions that work uh, for youth sports and the everyday athlete. You'll learn about the health and human performance market. You'll learn about the technologies that are key in the collection, analysis, and distribution of human performance data. A lot of really interesting conversations, again, around this concept of the quantified athlete that we've been studying at Sports Innovation Lab. And have to give Travis a shout out. Again, They when we had our first ranking, our power play index, four years ago now, Kinduct scored the best. I've been following them for the last four years. And Kinduct recently was acquired by MQ, a testament to uh, what they're doing and where they're headed. So you'll get to learn a bit. You'll get to learn a little bit more about that. So let's jump right into my conversation on today's show with Kinduct Technologies founder and CEO, Travis McDonough. Welcome to the Fluid Fan Podcast with a very special guest today, Travis McDonough, the founder and CEO of Kinduct Technologies. Travis, welcome to the Fluid Fan Podcast. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Appreciate the invitation. Yeah, no, I'm excited for this conversation. You know, we we talk about tech, we talk about trends in the industry, and you've been at the forefront of, uh, of major changes happening. I've gotten to know you through the leadership board, and obviously through Kinduct's Lens, a company that's been around over 10 years now. But how I like to really start every conversation is tell us a little bit about your background, where you came from. I can list all the business person of the year, innovator of the year, you've top 50 CEO award, you've, you've done a lot as an entrepreneur. What led you to founding Kinduct? And just walk us through a little bit about your journey becoming the CEO and founder of, of that company. Sure. Yeah. It, I, it's been a crazy odyssey. It, there's been many circuitous paths to get to where we are today. But yeah, I was uh, born and raised in a, a city called Halifax, Nova Scotia on the eastern seaboard in Canada. 
grew up with a massive affinity for sports, uh, played sort of multiple sports at a decent level, was never good enough to make it my life's work, had a humbling sports injury, and that pushed me down the path of more rehabilitative medicine, um, studied for nine years, moved actually to Europe to hold on to a little bit of my fledging sporting ambitions, so continued to play some sport. Um, but really found an opportunity in Europe in the middle of the Celtic Tiger on the western part of Ireland. Opened up uh, one clinic that delivered non-surgical rehabilitative medicine that led to many and, uh, you know, had a, basically a, a, a multidisciplinary healthcare chain that offered a plethora of services in the rehabilitative medicine world. And it was in the, um, the jigs and reels of dealing with patients and dealing with practitioners who were trying to transfer knowledge to patients that the seedlings of uh, conduct were really gestated. Early in my career, I realized I was passionate about transferring knowledge from practitioner to patient. And as a uh, attention deficit and a dyslexic sufferer myself, I, I wanted to study what was the most powerful way of delivering information to a patient so they understood it. So looked at the powers of 3D medical animation and realized no one was doing this in the world of sports medicine. So started to create these digital assets that could get pushed to patients so patients could take more uh, responsibility to, for the conditions they're suffering from. And then we started to also send rehabilitative protocols to them to kind of break those shackles of a bricks and mortar environment. Got decent success early in the healthcare market, but uh, realized it was like going to war with a butter knife and with multi-billion dollar healthcare companies. So we started to move into the sports world. And at that time, we, we realized that the major rock in the shoe for the sports world wasn't pushing content or programming, it was more data capture. And there was the explosion of data elicitation devices. So what we wanted to do is remove the heartburn for sports organizations. So we started to pull all these disparate data sources into one location, and thus the journey that began in our pursuit of sport. And um, it's been a crazy 10 years uh, since then. Um, and we pivoted a lot, a lot on the way that I could certainly speak more, you know, specifically uh, during the conversation. But that's essentially how we got started. I moved back from Ireland in 2008 and put, you know, kind of the majority of my time and focus on that from there until now. And uh, yeah, I've been lucky to work with a lot of great people here in Halifax and also around the globe. Uh, and they've all contributed to where we are today. So proud Canadian, you know, I always have to throw a Canadian joke in because, you know, they were my arch rival when I played. <laughs> uh, so I can just, you know, I got to kick it off with a, with a friendly, <laughs> little friendly banter. Uh, but you guys are performance partners with, you know, several NHL clubs, collegiate, NBA, international. You're, you're working with everyone, you know, really providing this platform. Walk us through Kinduck itself and the market specifically from, you know, the market opportunity you saw back in 2010 to where the market is today around, again, major shifts in athlete data and how you see the industry almost awakening up to what you saw, you know, 10 plus years ago. Yeah. And just for quick background context, essentially what we do is help create better athletes and how we do it is through uh, leveraging a platform that's really got three separate but interconnected components a data aggregation, a data analytics, and then a recommendation engine. And why we do what we do is essentially to support the four ranging demands in this sports market. So one, 
to create a stronger, efficient, more, uh, you know, faster athlete. Two, to mitigate the costs associated with soft tissue injuries. Three, it's to identify talent early on in the life cycle. And four, it's to participate in the arms race of data capture, not just to unearth epiphanies, but also to potentially contribute to the new data monetization pathways. But that or those demands really created this new birth of an industry around data elicitation devices and technologies that emit information off an athlete's bodies. And uh, really, while there was a lot of hype and interest and excitement and breakthroughs, it created a new problem, which was all these, the data sources were siloed, separate and segregated. So what we really wanted to do is focus in on pulling all those disparate data sources into the one location. And once they're in the one location through almost this complicated labyrinth of technical plumbing, artificial intelligence and sports science out the other side, really allows for these discernible insights to improve decision-making and get better outcomes. But our pathway started with teams. We, we have around 550 teams around the world that we work with, supporting hundreds of thousands of athletes and yeah, a lot at the, the elite level. But we also have a democratized league-wide solution that uh, supports uh, an EMR and an AMS, so Electronic Medical Record and Athlete Management System offering for leagues. But as you wisely pointed out, we also started to participate in the rise of the athlete through supporting players associations and athletes themselves. So the ability to uh, pull in data on their behalf, secure it, authenticate it, provide access, and then really put the remote control in the hand of the individual athlete to determine where they want that data to go. We really bet that that was going to happen sort of four or five years ago. And we were lucky that uh, that's, that's essentially what is happening in the market today. Yeah, and I just want to highlight that because it's really important. Four years ago, when, when we started Sports Innovation Lab, a lot of, you know, there's hundreds of wearables. There's all, as you pointed out, lots of solutions, but in silos, right? That as an athlete, I'm going to have to go buy multiple wearables and try to make sense of that information in my head, right? Or my, my coach was going to maybe look at it if I was willing to share and try to make sense of all of the different ways that I'm now monitoring and measuring and predicting performance. What you said was, hey, there's a, there's a bet that consolidation is gonna be key and analyzing it together in context, which I couldn't agree more. You know, Who wants more to look at? We want less, we want actionable insights and not 8,000 different feeds of who we are and how to get better. So, so kudos to you for, for, I think, getting in front of the market What's been the response? And, you know, there's, there's a ton of different directions we could take this conversation, but are athletes or organizations now, because you have an interesting medical background, you know, coming from the medical space. I feel like we're just waking up to the fact that, huh, like I own my data, huh? I should be able to port my data. I should be able to have it safely secured. I should be able to analyze it one place. Like, did you see a lot of trends in the, the medical space that now the sports industry is suddenly waking up to? Did that help inform where you took the direction of this company? It really did. And I think it can go both ways. So often sport is known for being an innovative Petri dish and people leaning into opportunities or hypotheses or theses that haven't really been validated through FDA. And that really pushes the pace of healthcare, but healthcare actually has been a great leader in allowing sports to learn from it. And one example I think that you were touching on is that electronic medical records 
um, were one of the major breakthroughs in the medical world because as they started to take data out of vanilla file folders and filing cabinets and put it into software and run AI over it, it led to earlier detection, it led to better treatment, better outcomes. And that was a great breakthrough, but then it went one step further and there was this major devolution of power out of the hands of insurance companies, hospitals, physicians, and back to the patient through personal health records. So the patient could access their own data. The patient then got more involved as an active participant in making sure they were contributing to their own well-being. And so the same thing started to happen in sport. You know, of course, leagues and teams are for sure incredibly powerful, but the Players Association and the players are saying, hey, you know, a lot of this data is mine. I want to get access to it. And how can we begin monetizing data before we even know what the data is that's being collected? So their voice is, is getting loud and they're having a major impact on where the data ends up and how it's being used. So it's, that's been a very interesting trend that we feel is going to continue with the vengeance over the next, uh, you know, four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think as consumers, we're all recognizing our data is very valuable. If you work in sports, however, it's immediately monetizable. Think sports betting, think digital overlays, think, you know, just fan engagement in general, this human performance data. Absolutely. We talk about this all the time that there's a market for it and the players see that again, I, I think most players are still focused on using it to perform, but the long-term view is as it becomes more accurate, it certainly is another layer of, of engagement in a variety of, of, you know, areas. I want to talk a little bit about sports innovation labs research. We're always talking about what we call the athlete data stack, which consists of collection analysis and delivery of data and conducts it squarely, you know, in that middle piece, the analysis piece, connecting athletes and coaches and doctors and trainers, the, the whole entourage. What are some of the major technologies that you believe are improving the, the collection and the analysis of this performance data? And, and where do you think the market can improve to really build out this real complete data stack? Yeah, I think that um, we're, I mean, we're seeing people look at all the various sources of data and making sure that they are landing in one spot. I think early on, people weren't necessarily looking at biometric data, and then there was a huge focus in the course of biometric data, um, and that trend continues. But then there's all the other layers of the onion that people are starting to, to understand and pulling in cultural data, mental health data, psychological data, neurological data, all of that landing in the one spot and being able to contextualize it. How does this data source relate to that data source? And unearthing relationships, patterns, trends is certainly something that, that we're, we're absolutely seeing right now. And I think it's important to point out that the ultimate barometer that all these data sources are compared against are to two critical outcomes, which is one, what happened in the game? What was their in-game performance? And second of all, what did it do from an injury incident standpoint? And then everything else sort of, you know, gets contextualized against those outcomes. So I think we're really starting to see what data is beginning to matter and contribute to those outcomes and which is more noise. We talk about that sanitization of the pollution of data out there, and that's one of our jobs. And, you know, we're putting a lot of those tools in the hands of the professional organizations and teams and PAs and athletes in order to make that happen. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, get, don't give me more. Give me less. If someone could 
sift through it all and throw out the junk and just tell me what to focus on. Because, uh, you know, I'm an athlete. I played, as you know, in four Olympics. I was always trying to understand my body. And it would have been great for someone to say, yeah, that's important, Angela. But, you know, why don't you just focus on these three you know, streams that are the most important as opposed to everything. Um, so uh, definitely a, totally. a needed piece of this whole ecosystem. Oh. Paralysis by analysis happened for a while, right? Where there were people who were just sifting through Excel spreadsheets and looking at so many different data sources, but mm -hmm. very little at the, out, the, the other end. And that's why we, we talk about we're a data aggregation and analytics, but then a recommendation engine. And mm -hmm. you know, it took a while for those recommendations to occur. But even on the alerts and triggers and notifications, you know, for Angela, you know, as this world-class uh, athlete, what, what are the bookends of a data threshold that you should be notified if you hit on the top end or the bottom end? Yeah. Um, so you get this alert or trigger notification to say, hey, this metric was outside of this normative data, so here's the three things you need to do to pull it back in. Mm -hmm. um, it's only, we're only now getting to that recommendation phase because it started with, with data collection first. Mm -hmm. So you're in the recommendation phase, which is, again, I think it, at the end what athletes want, just tell me what to do uh, so I can perform better, but also prevent injuries. And, and, you know, in elite sports, some estimates of the cost of injuries are somewhere around $16 billion per year. I mean, if you get injured, your contract, you know, is in jeopardy. Or uh, if you're thinking about, you know, renewals of your contract, I know every player, not just the players, but the teams themselves are obsessed with injury prevention. And players can also take out insurance policies on contracts. But so there's a whole business behind injury prevention and you know, we see this at every level, especially, you know, within the bigger leagues where the contracts are bigger. Tell me about how an athlete management system can help mitigate injury risk and save money for your clients. Like what's the, we want to obviously keep the athletes on the field to play, but is this a tool then you're seeing a lot of your clients use simply for injury prevention, let alone, you know, performance? It is. And I think what we try to stay away from is specifically we that we can prevent injuries but what we can do is notify someone if if there's an increased probability that an injury could occur mm -hmm. and it really started again with capturing a lot of the data and also having a lot of the data backdropped off of electronic medical records which is critical so you need to be able to smash the the medical and performance data in the one spot um, that's been the holy grail of, of, of the industry so what you can do is you can say, hey, not necessarily just chronicle the injury when it happens, but what happened around the injury in the first place? What was somebody's physio load? What were you know, their heart rate variability leading up to it? How many minutes did they play? How much sleep did they get? All of those types of things. So the next time those parameters hit the, those thresholds, you can be notified to modify your behavior around it to reduce the, the chances of that injury happening again. So it's, it's really now catching up. Mm -hmm. um, and the opportunities to, to notify people to change behavior to, to prevent it is, is we're, we're in the middle of that right now. Yeah, yeah, again, prevention is a, maybe a strong word, but mitigation, I mean, if, if yeah. I'm being overworked and, and I'm getting older as an athlete and I'm more prone to injury with, you could help me understand maybe I shouldn't throw as many curveballs that day or maybe Angela should take a breather I mean that's just like gold because I I tend to think a lot of athletes think more is better 
But in reality, that's when you're most susceptible to injury. And just to have some data to know like where your threshold is, where are you maybe should pull off on the gas. And yeah, your coach, your Canadian hockey's not the rookie shouldn't be treated the same as the veteran. Like, you know, your, your sports scientist, your coach should know everyone's an individual. You got to look at their individual variables and how they're training, how they're sleeping, their age, et cetera. So um, definitely needed there. But just on that though, we see a lot of, um, you know, the, the 22% of teams in the highest revenue grossing teams in sports, right. From our team innovation rankings, they have dedicated business intelligence or business analytics groups. We're definitely seeing a move on the business side to have more dedicated analytics people. Your product obviously sits on the performance side, sports science side. Do you believe that teams are, one, I'm sure you say they need it, but like, do you see a, a path where the performance side are hiring data analysis you know, people that can interpret the data that, that have the skill sets to utilize your platform. We're seeing it on the business side. People are suddenly waking up, but I'm curious with, again, over the last 10 years, are people leaning in? Are they, do they finally get, you know, the money ball effect in some ways or like how data is po so powerful on performance, or are you still trying to convince the market? No, it's a very different conversation over the last two or three years than it was 10 years ago. So it's not really, if they're doing it, it's just what they're using and how much they're using um, specifically. So, and I think there was also for a few years ago, certain groups tried to almost create their own internal one. And then I think it became challenging because they realized, look, we're not really a tech company ourselves. We're a professional sporting organization. And it's very challenging to work on APIs and getting HIPAA security and refining your AI engines and those types of things. So I think more and more people are realizing when we invest money, we want to invest it in something that's always iterating. And second of all, we want to put powerful tools in the hands of people that we hire so they can focus in on that and dealing with the athletes rather than building a tech stack that, that mm -hmm. is going to build. Um, but yeah, I think it's, you know, there's very few uh, professional sports organizations these days that aren't using an AMS or a version of AMS to, to drive insights around performance data. And that's athlete management system for those of you out there that are not familiar. Uh, it's again, the, the portal, if you will, um, that allows you to see it's exactly what Kinduct and, and Travis is building. So we've got religion. Then the market is actually acknowledging and leaning into this idea that data will help on the performance side and, and that maybe we can't build it all ourselves. What are some of the concerns you're seeing? We touched before on data privacy. Maybe we can revisit that a little bit. So these teams are using it, but of course, as an athlete, you're going to have different interests than your trainer, than your coach has, than your kind of team owner might have. What's the, on data privacy specifically, can you walk us through some of the concerns you've heard from both athletes and the coaches in terms of access to the data, security of the data, et cetera? Yeah, it's a really, it's a hot topic for sure. I mean, I think that's one of the main reasons we've designed our back end of our platform for it to be a permission-based authentication engine, which means mm -hmm. that we can pull different sources of data and pull it into one spot and then provide access to different stakeholders around the athlete and to the athlete themselves based off of their rights determined inside that hierarchical organization. So the analogy we use is almost we've 
created this technological apartment building, but we can give different keys to different stakeholders, to different rooms to access different things, again, based off of your rights inside of a league, a team, or an organization. And that that's removed the, the bat in the hand of certain people to say, oh, great, now I know I can get access to this. And furthermore, I can also determine who I want to provide access to who around me. And I think that's really lowered the guard up from different people to know that they, again, hold that remote control on, on who they share the data with, how it gets used, and even when and if they can revoke that data. Mm-hmm. So that's really been the essence of what we've been building. It's a very complicated tech stack, but it serves the needs of making sure that different people get access to different data you know, again, based off of their, their roles in an organization. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, it's super, super smart. The just acknowledging the data questions that, that all sides of the ecosystem have, you've provided a solution for it and trust, I think is the biggest word I would think of. Like there just needs to be trust that, that you're going to buy into this and know, again, as an athlete, I can share it with certain people. The organization knows who they can share it with in the future. 10 years from now, how else might this data be used? We touched on the monetization aspect or the entertainment aspect. In your opinion, what does good look like in 10 years? If you could paint, you know, wave your magic wand and, and, and have the biggest pie for everyone. Well, I, I think one thing to point out is that for sure, we've been focused on the sports market for a long time. Um, But what we realize now is a part of a bigger organization. We're in the business now of starting to move into allied domains like connected worker, like military, like healthcare, like um, so to be able to take the findings and broaden them, but also to work down the youth, youth sports stack to democratize what we do up here to the masses. So the opportunity for athletes to quickly capture data in allowing for anyone around the world to use it to compare and contrast against Mm -hmm. um, to be able to, train like their favorite athlete when they share information and content to share guidance that we know is coming and coming in a hurry i don't think that's uh 10 years away i think that's more more like two years away and we're helping to try to make that happen in 10 years who knows uh because of events like covid and what else um it's going to be fascinating to to watch how quickly things move but I think there's been an accelerant for obvious reasons on making sure that that happens sooner rather than later. Mm. Yeah. And so maybe that's a good time to your recent, um, you know, the acquisition of Kinduck by MCube. First of all, congrats as a CEO. That's uh, amazing. I'm, I'm super proud of you, Travis, and <laughs> excited for your whole company. Walk us through maybe the acquisition, what it means for you guys moving forward. And again, you, you touched on the, the democratization, like making your product accessible to a bigger market, but like, what's the trajectory now of Kinduck through that partnership? Yeah, I think, um, first of all, it was obviously a tough decision early on to say, hey, this is almost like a, you know, an organism that's a part of you, right, as the CEO and founder. And that, that same feeling is shared by many people in the company. So we put a lot of thought into who's the right person to um, take it to the next level. Um, But I think we decided as a group that we realized that we did a lot with what we had. And there comes a point in any business career and in any sort of life cycle of a business to make sure you bring somebody else in to take it to 
the next hemisphere. So we did decide to, to do that. We knew that it was going to be the right thing for the conduct family. We knew that it was going to be the right thing for our clients so we could more heavily invest um, in innovation and have more of a global footprint. We knew it was the right thing too for our region, which was a big part of, of the decision as well. So with all that in mind, we realized to do this means a, having a big international footprint now. We have close to 10 offices around the world um, that are strategically located. We have a, a larger you know, portfolio of people, almost 300 people, over 100 PhDs. And now we've got the ability to create our own data licitation devices or work with other partners to bring in their algorithms into the data licitation devices. So there's a whole new range of products and services and solutions now that we can offer the sports market, but also some of these other markets, military, law enforcement, connected worker, healthcare, of course, which is a big one, and of course, also working down the stack. So it's an interesting time for us. We feel that the, these, uh, this group of people are really going to teach us a lot, and they've been a pleasure to work with so far. Awesome. Well, good luck and congrats again on, on that. Um, and it was a big move for you and your team. But like you said, bigger, bigger, you know, bigger team, bigger opportunity. One thing you've done recently, I'm, one, I'm curious if it's tied to, to MCube or if it was already on the product roadmap is your, uh, your team app, really helping athletes find everything they need in one spot. Walk us through that product or if there's another, if there's other products along the journey that you see, uh, again, having this, this larger team with, uh, with MCube. Yeah, no, that's, thanks for bringing that up. We've launched two apps recently. One is the athlete app and one is we call it the provider app, but the athlete app essentially in keeping consistent with the theme we're seeing where the athlete deserves access to all their data. So the opportunity to collect, to aggregate, to contextualize, but to provide that all through a mobile application that they can access in real time from any place, anywhere, anytime is, is critical and inherent in that app also is their ability to upload data on an ongoing basis, either using automatic motion capture, using subjective journal surveys, questionnaires, those types of things, but also the opportunity um, to receive strength and conditioning programs, rehab programs, all literally through the palm of their hand, through their device. And we're creating this new group of data collection innovations that literally you can hold the phone over the athlete and it's collecting biometric data, it's collecting biomechanical data. So that this for us is, is something that we've been heavily investing in for the last little bit. It was on the product roadmap, but uh, the MCube XN family has really helped to round out the innovation. The other app is more on the provider side. So it's the coach, the GM, the physician, the person who is looking at a range of different people inside their portfolio and seeing real-time alerts and seeing how they're doing on their journey to recovery or performance. Hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And will it, will it be available for, uh, you know, the retired athletes like myself that, uh, <laughs> that sit at a desk all day or try to stand sometimes? Um, I mean, that ultimately what I love about, we call it, you know, the quantified athlete market that you sit in is there's, there's hundreds of companies, again, they're consolidating. You've, you've done that extremely well and providing insights, but back to your broader talk of how, Sports learns from the medical ecosystem and the medical ecosystem can learn from sport. How does this, all this technology make its way into the everyday person? Do you see a world in the future that, again, leverages all the products that are being tested in sports 
on elite athletes at, you know, very like at a micro level, but now allow me to, Hey, Angela, get up, go move. Hey, Angela, go. And you know, you got to eat this, you got to sleep. Well, um, again, there's a lot of solutions in, in silos right now that we see, but you're building it, you know, the one-stop shop in, in some ways. So paint a picture for us, the everyday consumer that's at home listening, that isn't an elite athlete, um, how we might benefit from the, the changes we're seeing uh, in the elite sports market. Yeah, in, that's absolutely where we are going. And we knew we couldn't go there on our own. We're just not a big enough company with Conduct. But with this broader group of companies um, and bigger bench strength, we, we are moving in that direction. We'll always stay as a B2B2C organization. So working with big partners who already have a large user base to either white label or to you know access their larger population, but um, we're doing that now in markets like, like military, like connected workers. So um, providing similar solutions to people on offshore oil rigs, those types of things and healthcare. And that's for sure uh, one of the major areas of focus. So working through large hospitals, um, health authorities to deliver the democratized solutions that we're talking about in sport, but delivering it to people in their living rooms, you know, all across the globe. Mm. Uh, Travis McDonough, founder and CEO of Kinduct Technologies. Um, before we wrap, where I ask you four questions with number four. Last question is on just the impact of COVID. And, and you know, we're, we're at a time where obviously understanding your bodies, understanding your health, having access to information is vitally important, not just as athletes, but, you know, all of us. We've also at the same time changed our behaviors, uh, you know, fluid fans, we, as we call them, now buy groceries on their phone. They expect to have personalized on-demand experiences, not just outside of sports, but within sports. How do you think COVID has impacted what you do, the performance market, and where do you see the biggest positive outcome of, of this concentrated testing of digital products and more information during COVID that athletes have all had to rely on as opposed to being in the gym or next to their coach? What's the, what's the long-term impact of, of COVID in, in this market? Yeah, I think during COVID, there, the requirement to remotely monitor, so using lots of data sources to track somebody who's not inside the bricks and mortar of a performance center or a arena or whatever, that, that dramatically increased. Um, and we saw it especially happen in the world of healthcare, where there, there was an inability really for patients to travel into the hospital. So physicians were required to capture information um, on an ongoing basis. And so, so that trend, no matter if the inoculation gets widespread, we are gonna continue to see that. So, so COVID put the foot down on the gas pedal to make that happen. And we believe that trend will continue and, it, and it's in many ways fueled our value proposition, which is again, remotely monitoring, remotely tracking, understanding the data, modifying programs, sending them out, again, allowing people to follow them to get better outcomes. Um, so yeah, not that you want to, I guess you have to focus in on some of the positives underneath all this carnage. And I think that's the one thing is, is there will be, again, going back to that democratization of solutions for people across the globe as a result of this horrific virus. Yeah, I agree. It's not what anyone, any of us would have hoped for. Um, and obviously all the suffering that is going on in the world, but 
uh, I'm always looking for a glass is half full. What, what can we learn? How do we become better? And, and certainly in the space you're in, which has, you know, health, like we're talking about health and safety of individuals. Certainly I'm excited at, at, the, uh, at the focus of turning a corner and using this as an opportunity to make us all safer, healthier individuals. So um, thank you so much for, for coming on, Travis. You've been so fun to work with. I just have to give you a shout out. You're a visionary, you're a leader. I've gotten to know you through our, our leadership boards. You're definitely a nice person. And you're Canadian, so I, you know, everyone's like, oh, Canadians are nice, but you're like abnormally nice guy. And also, I've just had so much fun working with you and, and seeing your you know, vision come to life. You know, obviously now with, with M-Cubes, I know it'll be a, a amazing future ahead. So um, just been a pleasure working Great. with you and seeing you guys come come to life. And by the way, you were the first, I have to say, I have to give you a special shout out. We started the company, I've always had this vision for how do we objectively look at the market, rank the market, give give everyone insight into, you know, who's changing the game. That's our power play index that we've built out. And so you were the first, we actually tested the athlete management system market yes. in depth. And you, that's how I got to know you. you guys landed number one, you know, you weren't a client or anything, but I'm like, this company is crushing it. So um, congratulations to you for that. That was years ago and, you know, proofs in the pudding where you guys end up now. No, look, thank you so much. And, and again, I, I want to say right back to you guys. You guys have been in many ways been the connective tissue of this entire sports tech innovation landscape. You have brought people together with different ideas and thoughts and concepts. And I think the collective dispersed judgment of the people that you brought to the table is really what's allowed for moving the North Star in the industry. So we love working with you and your team. And again, it's a privilege and we look forward to hopefully more exciting relationships in the future. Kudos to that. We'll keep moving. We'll keep innovating. Um, it's, you know, having different voices, different perspectives. Again, I'm, that's why I'm so big on diversity and inclusion. We need to think outside of our own silos and learn from, from each other. So thanks for being a part of our ecosystem. I always finish every segment on the Fluid Fan podcast with four questions with number four. So hopefully you're ready. Okay. Did you pregame pre this one? <laughs> no, unfortunately, no. All right, this is even better then, because then we get your off-the-cuff uh, responses. So, uh, Travis, what does innovation mean to you? Yeah, innovation. I mean, look, that's the backbone, again, of, of the, the whole industry right now in this radical disruption of COVID. But, you know, it's not necessarily coming up with a new idea first, but it's also figuring out a way to leapfrog over your competitors when you're behind a little bit and I think this is the end of the day it really is going back to Simon Simic sort of infinite game there's going to be times when a competitor or someone else goes in front but you know if you keep your head down and you keep your foot on the gas pedal and keep creativity front and center you'll move back out in front so it's a it's a never-ending um, commitment to try to make innovation happen and you, look, I, I, to, to make an analogy for me, innovation is being in a, almost like a parking lot brawl and a bare knuckle fight with someone who's twice the size and figuring out a way to win. Because that's what a lot of companies have had to do in COVID is, is think outside the box and come up with new ideas that get them around a very difficult obstacle right now. So, On that note then, who 
is the most innovative person in our industry? Who's someone, you already named Simon. He's, uh, you know, love his TED Talks. Who else do you look at for inspiration? So many different people. Again, not to give you a, a, a political answer, but again, I don't think anyone owns the label or badge of being the most innovative person or, or, or company right now. It's more what they're going to do over 10 years. I can't tell you that COVID has changed who probably would have been the goat in this industry uh, eight months ago to now. And again, another eight months, someone else will be that. So rather than list somebody, it's more that it's an ongoing pursuit to land in that leadership position as being the most innovative. All right, then who's the most innovative company in sports tech? You can't say, you can't say conduct. You got to pick someone else. I can't. I'd like to, (laughs) but I can't. Yeah, we're seeing some really interesting things right now with, with some new business partners and some new companies actually we're looking to either an invest or buy in and made reference to uh, doing through automatic motion capture, capturing a range of different biometrics without a wearable, but looking right into the phone and capturing oxygen saturation, HRV, heart rate variability, respiration, all of the, those are some of the companies that I think are going to create major transformation because they're hugely scalable. They don't require things like battery life and there's low points of failure. So I think some of those companies are going to create crazy disruption in the market. And those are some of the companies that we're for sure betting on right mm-hmm. now. It sounds like you're, you're going to where the fan is, where the user is, as opposed to giving them something else to do, which we see a lot in, again, the whole sports tech ecosystem think about what they already own, what's the hardware they already have versus giving them something else to, yeah. to buy and that exactly. you, have to, you have to build on top of. All right, the last one is most innovative league team federation. I know you've got logo suit behind you with all the different partners. So this might be a hard one, but like, like try to give me one. Give me someone you're like, oh, they're, they're always thinking outside of the box. They're, they're different, they're leaning in. Is there anyone that, uh, that you've, always yeah, enjoyed you know, working with you know who was uh, it, it was it was a shame to see the league struggle uh, you know after it got up and running but but the you know there were some interesting things that the very interesting things that the xfl were doing on putting player uh safety first um they modified some of the rules around the game they they made sure fan engagement was was high on their priority list um they standardized a bunch of uh, data capture tools at the practice level, at the game level. They were looking to apply it to sports betting, fantasy mm-hmm. things. So that, that was a, a great example. And I think when they, were, they weren't one of the big four or big five, which gave them a little bit more agility to do certain things, it's a lot more difficult to do it if you are one of the big, big five. Um, so yeah, I think there's a potential resurrection of, of, of course, what they're looking to do. Um, and I think a lot of what they're going to do is going to move up to, to the leagues once there's a little bit more acceptance on the data ownership piece that you guys are really helping to solve. So yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's a good answer that they you know they're they're not around, but the I I continuously talk about look if you're going to start a company, you know if you're going to incubate an idea, you're you basically your startup. You have all the nimbleness and flexibility that the big behemoth, the big IBM of the world would doesn't have, but they certainly newer leagues, women's leagues, these, these, yeah. these younger, more agile leagues is where we see a ton of innovation happening. The NBA and others tend to get the credit 
but they don't, they can't move on a dime. It's harder for them to try out new partnerships, um, but we certainly see more of an appetite for, for newer leagues. Um, they're just not as visible. So um, it's an interesting uh, suggestion. Travis, that's it for me. Thank you so much for coming on the Fluid Fan Podcast. I appreciate you sharing your insights, sharing your, uh, your, your vision for Kinduct and wish you all the best of, of luck and your continued journey in the innovation space. Really appreciate it. Enjoyed it thoroughly and say hello to all the SIL crew for me. We will. Have a, have a wonderful day. <laughs> you too. Once again, I'd like to thank Travis McDonough for coming on the show today, helping us kickstart 2021, talking human performance, adding your amazing insight into the world of data, athlete training, and giving us a little bit of preview into what's to come at Kinduct. You've been a great client of ours, someone that we've loved to work with and have leaned into the ideology of the fluid fan, which obviously fans love learning about athletes. They love understanding what the athlete's doing. The, the data coming off the athlete is valuable outside of just the performance side. It's, it's fan engagement at its core. But first and foremost, as a former athlete as well. I wish I would have had a one-stop shop for my entourage to go to learn about me where I could unlock, you know, certain data points, get their perspective. And so I'm jealous, of course, Kinduct uh, and Travis of what you guys are doing. Wish I had it and would encourage those of you that don't know a lot to spend more time with Travis. He, today's show, shared his expertise on the athlete data stack, loved his point around trying to sanitize all the data in the market. That was super interesting to me. This market's crazy saturated. Companies are coming and going. There's literally hundreds of them. Uh, when we are hosting the sports zone at CES, we've been doing that the last four years. You just go into the health and human performance rooms where you know there's these hundreds of companies showcasing their products and services. There's a lot out there and it's confusing and athletes are all trying to figure it out. But Kinduct is definitely ahead of the game. So excited that we were able to have Travis on to share what he's doing and his broader company at Kinduct. So I want to finish by thanking my producer, Jack Barlow. This is going to be a great year for us. Excited for, for the podcast to continue to grow. My team at Sports Innovation Lab, we have some really exciting research right around the corner, including our Fluid Fan 3.0 report Everyone in the industry looks forward to that report. In 2019, we dropped a new age of sports. In 2020, we dropped the fluid fan is here and we will drop very soon our third version. So if you're a fan of this podcast, look forward to that extensive report coming out soon. I also want to thank you, the listeners. Feel free to, to subscribe. Feel free to leave five stars, uh, leave a review, tell me what's going on. You can check out all of our channels on Twitter, LinkedIn, at SportsiLab. Uh, of course, you can ping me directly. Want to learn more from you. Thank you so much for spending your valuable time. I know we live in the attention economy and you're still listening. So even psyched that you're still hanging on. I'm Angela Ruggiero. I'll see you next time on the Fluid Fan Podcast. <laughs>